Hey, I hope everyone's doing well today. It is January 3rd, and God, I'm just glad that it's 2021. So this episode is focusing on innocence. I believe that there is this idea that children are inherently innocent, but I do think that there's a point in every person's life, every child's life, where you do realize that the world is not what you think it is, and you do sort of lose that innocence. And I think that it happens in different phases for a lot of us. So in this episode, Chris and I try to unpack that, and we just try to come up with some ideas about that lost innocence. So if you all have any sort of comments or questions or anything that you want to add to this conversation, I think it's something that's really valuable and something worth discussing more. So anyways, reach out, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, often objective, and sometimes comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are a commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, I beg of you, please throw your listing device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. shit like that so it's just kind of in keeping with who i am i'm like man we ain't gonna have cell phones here in like 10 years whenever the world <laughs> yeah we are we're totally gonna have them <laughs> well and like you're, you're, and all those pictures of the all the cool ass mushrooms that i'll never eat you know you could uh, you could take some real high quality ones well look i i got your bitch ass to eat some chicken of the woods one time never gonna happen again. and you loved it you thought, fucking, it was, nope. you thought it was a piece of chicken. You were like, you know what? That's good. And I was like, you said, what is it? I said, chicken. And then you were like, damn, that's good. I was like, it's chicken in the woods. It's a mushroom. And you look so betrayed. <laughs> I'll, I'll never be lied to again. I've been hurt before, but I'll, I'll never, that'll never happen again. <laughs> I'll never trust you. <laughs> I, all I did was give you a gourmet delight. And this is how you repay me. Hell yeah, man. Do you remember how dope that spread was that day? Oh, dude, that was beautiful. Ooh. Fucking lamb ribs, lamb breast, uh, yes. uh, oysters. Yeah. I think I had yeah. raw oysters, didn't I? You had some flown down from uh, Maryland Duke, or something? Duke, Duxbury, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah that's Island, Island Creek Oyster Company. They've got the fucking flame. Really? Oh yeah, you can get so many different varieties, and then they've also got uh, sweet clams, like uh, little clams that you can eat on the half shell as well. Yeah. Caviar, fresh fish, uh, lobster. Hey, mm. it's legit, and it's free shipping during the week. It's really not that bad. It's a, it's a lot cheaper than if you were to go to a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Um, give me one second. Let me. Mark is wanting to jump in i'm just trying to add him on there all right cool so while we uh i mean not even while we wait let's just jump right into it man you know i've had a first of all can you hear me okay yeah okay just make it sure it was just it was quiet but um i've wanted to talk about this topic for for a little bit um and i think like as i get older and while i'm in my uh 
in my therapy sessions, one of the things that I've been tasked to do is to create a, a timeline. And so what we're trying to do is, is understand kind of the different events in my life and how they led up to, you know, just where I am right now. Um, and honestly, I've never really thought to do anything like that. And, uh, that really sparked the, uh, question of where is it that, that we lose our innocence? I think that there is a thought and, and I had brought this up a tiny bit cause I was hoping that we would try and talk about it in our last podcast episode, but we never got around to it. But there's this thought that children, um, are innocent. They're just inherently innocent. Um, but I believe that a, that term is very fluid, but I think that B, there's a certain point with all of us where we lose our innocence. And I think for some people, you know, the innocence may be lost that first day walking into, into school, you know, when you're, um, when your parents drop you off and, you know, they're crying and they're, they see their little boy or girl walking into the school thing. And it's like, man, everything that I've kind of taught you now, you just kind of go and learn. But for other people, there's other events that happen where you're like, okay, the world's not what I thought that it was. And so I want to be able to talk about that. Well, I would say like, you know, you did say that the term innocence is very fluid. So it can be applied to any number of things. Like you can be innocent within a near limitless number of contexts, you know, or, or, not innocent in near endless number of contexts. Um, but whenever you're talking about innocence in the conventional sense, I think it's important to start at the most rudimentary level. And we look at what we perceive as human beings through social constructs, basically normative value systems that are steeped in biological imperatives, whereby, um, selflessness is linked to things like parenthood, you know, like being a parent is a selfless act. That's a conventional idea that is accepted in our society. But in reality, it's a selfish act. Um, I'm not saying, and, and we've talked a lot about how selfishness isn't inherently a, that's not a pejorative necessarily. It's a fact of life. Um, it, your existence is what I'm getting at. Your very existence is selfish to a degree. I mean, you, you are taking up resources. Some there, there's an even flow because you fucking exist and you take up space both physically and then also within a social con context as well. Sure. So if, if we talk about innocence and in, in terms of children, um, you know, I think our capacity for uh, what could be perceived as innocence um, changes as we get older. And it, I, I think it, it kind of um, levels with accountability as well. Mm -hmm. um, the degree to which an individual can be held accountable for their actions I think levels very much with the degree of innocence they possess with regard to something. So, sure. you know, you start out as this little, little blob, like little protoplasm ass motherfucker that, that knows nothing. You're like, Oh, it's so innocent. 
Well, you, I don't think you can apply that qualifier to something that lacks the capacity to, to be honestly be accountable for anything. And thus has, it's a benign comparison to innocence. It's not, it's not even in the same wheelhouse, right? Sure. So, so we have, we have children growing up and as they hit certain ages, um, innocence is lost along the way in certain terms. Um, you know, talking about like when kids find out there's no Santa Claus. Dude, that, that's actually interesting. I, I'll let you finish before I go on. Go on. Sorry. But, but you know, along the way there's, there's sloughing and pruning and really this is, this is linked to uh, your your brain development. I mean, that's all it is. Essentially, we can uh, romanticize it. We can put whatever kind of like you know very human linguistic spin on it, but it really comes down to biology. So there's some pruning, some augmenting, um, some uh, you know we have a lot more neuroplasticity when we're younger and you could say that a the degree to which someone possesses neuroplasticity um is a type of innocence in a sense it's like okay well this person is capable of doing better you know Mm -hmm. they they didn't they didn't do what they could have done but they are capable it's in them to do it and they acknowledge that Absolutely. But in the same regard, bizarrely enough, in the same regard, people that lack complete neuroplasticity, the set in your ways crowd at the other end of the fucking spectrum also could be perceived as being innocent within certain contexts because they can't be held accountable because they're incapable of doing any better than that. It's like grandma who occasionally drops the M-bomb. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I yeah. know that there's plenty of people out there, ravenous motherfuckers on the internet, and it'll be like, yeah, can't, I don't care how old that bitch is. She's 95 years old. It, it can't, Fuck that bitch. Look, you, you're entitled to feel that way, but I don't have time to worry about some decrepit-ass lady who, who really lacks the cognitive function to discern whether the word that's coming out of her mouth is appropriate or not, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and, and again, it, it's, it's that relativity between, um, you know, neuroplasticity, one's ability to do better and, and, and adapt and overcome things or an individual's inability to do that. There is, there is a modicum of innocence to both of those things. Yeah. You know, I think that for a lot of us too, one other spot that we, and this is honestly the simplest spot to recognize or to, to lose your innocence is when you just sort of have full awareness of your situation, like literally acknowledging your situation or acknowledging another person's situation. Like, do do you remember the first time you recognized poverty? Like I didn't know that I was poor until I went to like my rich friend's house. And I say rich, just my middle-class friend's house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know that our life was different when I went in and saw like, holy crap, like everything was in place at this person's house. You know, it looks like no one lives here. And 
I think that that is something that happens for a lot of people too, that if you remember, um, the, the story or the movie, Richie rich, remember with Macaulay Culkin and stuff like that. I think that in a way he kind of lost his innocence when he realized that the rest of the world doesn't live like him. I also think that in one other case, America as a whole lost its innocence on nine 11, just like you were saying this whole, like, um, if you want to call it ignorant, but this blissful notion that, you know, yeah, who would fuck with us? You know, the last time someone did that, they got wrecked. You know, they're sitting there th- talking about like Pearl Harbor years upon years, generations have gone by since then. And of course that part is that, that innocence in, in a way is going to sort of come back. And then I think that a lot of us lost that innocence. And then when you think of things like the, <clears throat> like the passing of the Patriot Act, when we sort of all realize that our information is is going to be tracked. You know, I think that a lot of people, aware people, lost their innocence there too. Um, I think there's tons of different situations that are not one of those. I think it's very common to have that, like, oh, the first time you have sex or when there's like some, you know, sexual encounter or something bad happening, a lot of people attribute that to losing your innocence. But I think that there's many other ways to sort of realize that. And for me, I think it's that moment that I realized that, um, other people live different lives than, than I did. I remember the first big fight that my parents had that I could remember. And that changed a lot of stuff for me. You know, just when I thought that everything was just kind of mom and dad or mom and dad, they're perfect, you know, and just really being there to see what that was like. I think that, I don't know if you were, if you ever remember seeing your parents fight or argue or anything like that, but I think it does something to you as a kid when you actually see it happen. Well, it it definitely does, but I grew up in a volatile ass Melungeon household where like uh my sisters would fight so hardcore ass whooping that there'd be like tumbleweaves of hair you in said the tumbleweaves. Hell yeah, they would be clumps of hair just chilling and I'm sitting there like three, four, five years old just watching my sisters whoop on each other's asses. I mean, go at it. And maybe one of their friends would be over at the house and they would be more shocked than me. I'm like, you know, this is just, this is reality. Like, uh, she put toothpaste in that bitch's hair and then got punched in the mouth and that ain't scrapping. So I saw, (laughs) I saw a lot of, uh, I mean, and my parents did argue, but it, I, I think the volatility of my household, the overall uh, nature of my family culture was one of, you know, everybody's loud. Everybody speaks their opinion. Everybody's ready to die. Like that was that was generally how it was on a regular basis. So um, I don't think that I had any kind of like, you know, epiphany when it came to that. But I, I, you said something that was interesting to me earlier when you brought up Richie Rich and you said he lost his innocence whenever he realized that he had basically been living in a gilded cage and other people were living in, you know, poverty or just not nearly as opulent as him. Yes. Right. Yes. That loss of innocence. Again, if we equate innocence and how it scales with accountability. When once an individual has that type of loss of innocence or um, a, an epiphany 
a come to Jesus, whatever, that acknowledgement that, um, that they're, what they thought was reality, in fact, isn't reality for the majority of individuals. I think that's where accountability comes into play. And I think that the responsibility on the individual comes down to, okay, what is now the ethical thing for me to do going forward with this? Because we've spoken a lot or a decent amount about how the, the top 1%, the oppressor class, isn't necessarily in this big, like, you know, room with a long table with a cabal of individuals and like chalices of blood fucking coming up with nefarious ideas to fuck the population. A lot of these individuals, that is their norm. They were born into it. They were handed this fucking baton, expected to do something with it, groomed, cultured towards that. That's very much their fucking reality. So how do we gauge innocence when it comes to that? Because there's very much an enormous, um, I, I guess, uh, onus <clears throat> on when you have the top, what is it, top 1%, top 5% that own basically 80% of all of the capital in the United States. In the world. Uh, okay, in the world. Yeah. And and again, I'm not sure that that's, that's the spread, but it's something... You sound that, muffled, by the way. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, much better. Um, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the spread, but it's something close to that. There, there is some sort of onus on them because poverty does exist. Because there are issues that are preventable by utilizing what amounts to grotesque amounts of capital and wealth that is going unutilized. It's not being utilized for anything in a meaningful way. Again, you know, money is obviously a social construct in and of itself. And especially when it gets into the billions of dollars, it stops meaning like a dollar to $60 billion, like, it, it, it means nothing again. Um, so there is an onus there. Th those people are responsible for the inequity. But the maintenance of their wealth doesn't necessarily mean that they have ill intent. And it doesn't necessarily mean that all of them know better. It doesn't mean that these are inherently evil people. It might be inherently ignorant fucking people that again, live in gilded cages and don't know any better. And that's part of the problem. And if you attack these people in terms of that, that they're inherently evil, which again, I think some of them could, you know, fall in that category. But if you frame it up in those terms, instead of acknowledging that in some ways, these people are suffering from a, a cultural illness, a, or a personal illness that causes them to amass and accrue and consume and obtain to such a, a grotesque degree. We've talked about hoarding and how that potentially relates. How, how in the fuck do, is, is there physical hoarding where you can just have 
McDonald's boxes piled to the fucking ceiling. But there's not an allowance for a psychological disorder where an individual hoards wealth. That makes way more sense to me. Sure, that that would sure. that would that would be a pathway. So so where do you hold these people accountable? How innocent are they? Because they're running the world. They're running the world into the ground, and they don't know any fucking better. You know that's actually kind of interesting when you talk about like uh, a little bit of the the hoarding that goes that that sort of happens. And and I want to bring it back to 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 just growing up. And sort of the, if you want to call it the hoarding of knowledge, if you will, um, I think that, do you remember when, do you remember what it was like when your parent didn't know something? You know, did you used to think that your mom knew like, or your mom or dad like had all the answers for things? I did. And in the moment where, where they couldn't solve a problem, I think that was one other moment where it was like, oh, they really don't know anything or they don't know everything. Um, so, and of course we, you and I grew up kind of different, you know what I mean? But I want to, I want to read something that, uh, it's, it's semi lengthy, but I'll try and get through it quickly. And, and I want you to break this down with me. It says adults often scrutinize children about a lack of understanding of life. Too many times in childhood, uh, children are told you're too young to get it. And, on, and or one day you'll learn. However, these remarks didn't protect us from the circumstances and problems that our parents or other adults are trying to conceal from us. If anything, their attitude stimulates us to think that something is wrong. The adult society looks down on children and young adults alike as if you know we're unable to comprehend the horrors of the world in everyday existence. The mere fact that we're able to acknowledge their attempt at creating a protective shield is evidence that we are more intellectually inclined than adults think. At some point in, in everyone's life, there is an event or period of time where your childhood na- naivete, hopefulness, and free spirit is partially or completely robbed from you. This protective shield that has safeguarded you becomes obliterated, sadly, long before you're ready to give up the easy spirit of childhood. The divide between childhood and adulthood is not characterized by the age of 18, but rather by the transformation that occurs within you at a given time. The silly, spontaneous, and simple human being that will become a person who is rigid, time-obsessed, and prideful. Adults who adults claim they know it all while making those younger than them feel like an outcast when in, in actuality, adults are the ones who are foreign to the reality that they don't have all the answers. And it says that the three hardest words most adults will ever say are, I don't know. This is a term that young people use often when questioning the curious mysteries of life. In my opinion, probing life is a beautiful art. And the more we challenge thoughts, the happier we'll be. In a busy world, it is hard to stop and truly contemplate our existence. But when we do, we can be transported back to the young boy or girl who so profoundly wondered why the sky was blue. And it really makes, you know, something like that really just makes me think about about life and uh, and, and how my development went. And um, I like to think that because I grew up with encyclopedias and and other stuff that was available when I was told, I don't know, usually that sort of, yes, there was a, um, loss, if you will, of innocence and in the sense that I, okay, my parents don't know everything, but in that very second, it was kind of a call to action to try and figure out what that was. And I think that that's something that, or that's a step that a lot of us skip or just don't really try to understand you know when when you do lose that innocence it should also trigger a call to action and it's like all right 
if if they don't know the answer or something or if that innocence is lost, why not take that step to try and understand that? So let's dig into that really quick. Um, well, you know, mine was less, um, less having to do with my parents saying like, like not knowing something, um, because my mother was always very open about not knowing things. Um, you know, we had encyclopedias. I had a lot of books. Uh, I was allowed to watch educational television i had older siblings and that gives you an edge when it comes to development and you know language and learning and consuming information and all that kind of stuff so you know i went through a a period like a lot of kids where i was obsessed with dinosaurs and i could name any number of fucking species of hadrosaur or you know a what are they called? Uh, uh, ceratopsids, you know, all like the triceratops, torosaurus, all of that shit. I could name tons and tons of them. And I'm, you know, maybe three, four years old, like right before going to school. But I had, you know, I was taught to read before I went to school. I'm sure you knew how to read you know, before you went to school too. Yeah. Yeah. And do and do basic math. And and we had that we we had that advantage. We had that edge over fucking like 90% of our peers. Mm-hmm. Uh but my mother was very open about not knowing things. And then my dad wasn't around a whole lot. And my dad was Mr. Suave King Dingaling like make things sound good. So I feel like a lot of times my daddy would just tell me some shit like, and it'd be like half ass. Correct. And, and now I just be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. And then as I got older, like legit older and thought about it, I'm like, whatever, daddy, I know more about, you know, hunting than you do or what, whatever it may be. But again, I've gone on this little tangent. What really was the, the more profound element was figuring out, finding out the complexities of um, relationship dynamics and finding out, you know, that my parents are, are human and in a very broad sense, much less the, you know, not knowing things it's more goddamn like you are a collection. This person is a collection of attributes and flaws and ever shifting. And, um, you know, I'll never forget the day that my dad left. I was seven years old and I wasn't allowed to have like sugar or anything. Cause you know, I grew up like super hippie Jehovah witness and shit. So my dad, had his buddy come while my mom was at work. He made sure that my mom got a job before he left. So she was, you know, prepared, but he didn't let on like he was going to leave. He just, you know, was like, you know, Chris is relatively like self-sufficient at the house, um, getting close to it. Natalie's still around all of this. So get a job. Well, while she was at work, him and his friend cleared out all his shit and took it down to um, this little lake house that we used to own. And my dad took me and got me a snow cone 
uh, blue raspberry like shave ice and took me back to the house. And I, you know, I'm eating it. And I'm, you know, seven years old, got like blue shit on my face and, and no shit. Like as we were pulling up, um, my mom pulled up getting off work and we were about to walk in the house together. And my dad said, I've got to tell you something, or I've got something that I need to tell you. You need to sit down. And my mom started freaking the fuck out because she thought, and again, I'm seven years old holding a fucking snow cone. And, uh, she starts freaking out and I watch my mom freak out because she thinks that maybe something has happened to one of my siblings. Like mm. one of my sisters was in a car wreck or some shit like that. But then whenever my dad calmed her down and let her know that, you know, everybody was safe and I watched her be calm. And then I knew even as a seven year old, because my dad, you know, had talked to me about like, Hey, are you going to come down and see me whenever I move out? Like he'd been laying the groundwork with the kids for a minute, but, uh, he, uh, as soon as he calmed her down and began what I knew as a seven-year-old to be the spiel for him moving out, I walked my ass in the house with my snow cone because mm. I didn't want any fucking part of that. And I think it became real at that point. Even before that, when my father was, was conceptually preparing me for it, which I think was beneficial in retrospect, like it helped me wrap my head around it. but you know, he would, we would be down at the lake house kicking it and he'd be like, are you going to come down there and see me when I move out? And me and my sister would be like, well, yeah, of course, whatever. Um, mm. and, and again, I didn't think about it. My seven-year-old mind wasn't like, like, oh no, daddy's moving out. It, it wasn't real. It, it wasn't fucking real. And then that day it got real. And, um, even for a while, I, as a child, like very abstractly in my mind, you know, conceptualizing things, I can recall, you know how they had like, um, well, I'm, I'm basically pulling this out of my ass, but like, uh, you know, a, a show where, uh, where they revealed that it was all a trick the whole fucking time, you know, mm. that kind of shit. Well, there was a, this ongoing, like, ennui for me as a little kid for, you know, a, a year or two associated with that. Like, I'm like, no, nah, this this ain't real. This ain't really fucking happening. Um, and then at a certain point, what I came to realize at an early age, it was it was again within it was within a couple of years of my parents uh, divorcing, separating that I was, I made the acknowledgement. I was like, holy shit. Like these people were not right for each other. Like I'm lucky they even got together and decided to have kids because they had no business being together. Like I cannot. And, and again, that was the thing. It, I, I couldn't see the forest for, for the trees until, until it became a reality. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to a degree, and and I don't know why, I guess it's natural that this would pop in my head, but uh, to a degree, you know, with COVID-19, until that shit uh, takes one of your loved ones away, it's not really that real to people, you know? Sure. 
it, it isn't because it's like so many of us get it and it's not that bad for real. Like we're like, ah, I'll be all right. I just got to, you know, take it easy for a little bit. Yeah. I but got it, it in October, man. I, I know. Well, it, and, and it's, it's lightweight. There's like a feeling of guilt whenever you get it and you're like, I mean, I, I can't taste this Thai food as deliciously as I normally could. And then there are people that, that I know personally, I've, I now know three people personally that have passed away from it. And I can't say that about like the flu or any shit like that. I ain't never, ain't never been a year where I've known three motherfuckers die from the flu. But anyway, the, the innocence is their innocence to um, a human mind's because that's what it comes down to. Kalu is capacity. It's a, it's capacity for accountability. And we're not all born with the same toolkits and we, we haven't all had the same socialization and training to prepare us for critical thinking and being in touch with reality, so to speak. So, there is this duality of of ethical innocence and then biological innocence ethical innocence meaning um if you you know cause and effect if you did this <clears throat> then you are held accountable for it yeah um, yeah especially when when you have that moment and i i remember having this moment of saying what I'm about to do, like having that thought of like, is this the right thing to do? And, and, and saying, no, it's not. And doing that anyway, that was a, that was a loss of innocence for me. That was, that was another moment, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and the, and, and that's an excellent point. I think objectively, because if we go down any, any more of these pathways, as far as, um, the types of innocence, ethical innocence versus biological innocence, because, you know, from a deterministic standpoint, we're all fucking, we're all entirely 100% innocent from, from a deterministic standpoint, from the standpoint of BF Skinner, whereby if you could construct a mechanism complex enough to calculate, um, all of your experiences, your biological tendencies, predilections, everything that you could accurately predict your next move. Um, the whole free will thing under a deterministic kind of perspective, we as human beings from, from cradle to grave are all 100% purely fucking innocent. Sure. Uh, but again, at the same time, ethics, where where does ethic where does uh biology end and ethics begin i don't know i think it's sort of one of those like in the eye of the beholder type of thing can you hear me there oh yeah and and but that's also part of uh, you know what we're dealing with with us trying to unify like working class people, for example, and everybody getting so fucking pissed off and upset at each other over um, really a, a, a social disconnect. 
it, not to oversimplify it, but a social disconnect. But that social disconnect is steeped in things that are largely out of these individuals' control. And then once you put them in a group, what happens in groups of people that don't really have a good handle on shit? Sure. So, again, I, I would have to attest that um, the only type of innocence lost is knowing better and doing it anyway. Mm. I think that's a really good way to, to end it, man. That's a, that's a really good way to end it. I think that that is something that unifies all of us. We all have had that moment where we knew better and, and, and we didn't do better. Um, that's, that's a big, that's a big thing right there that can apply to so many things. You know what I mean? So many situations in life, knowing better and not doing better. And, and that's even something that like that I, and and not to diverge from the, the topic, that's something that even I sit and think about, uh, even right now, um, like knowing that I have, I have a golden opportunity with this new, and I'm doing my air quotes, freedom that I have. Like I have a golden opportunity to do like so many great things and I'm just not doing them. Well, you're, you're overwhelmed. It's like, yes. um, it, it's like, don't touch it. It's too sensitive. It's one of those kind of things, but for your fucking brain, Kalu, yeah. like you're, you're just, it, and it, and I, you and I have spoke just, you and I like not even on the podcast just spoke and I was like dude it's gonna it's gonna fluctuate it's gonna go up and down it's gonna go in fucking waves and weird goddamn directions and ultimately I feel like that you've hit this point where you're where you're just kind of overwhelmed by it because Mm. the possibilities are it's daunting and it, it really throws a hitch in an individual who is purpose driven yes and and all of a sudden, now you're um, um, the great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I, I am purpose driven. Um, I'm, I'm certainly I have to have like some thing or some people just to, to like work hard for. And when I and when I'm sort of just with myself, if you you have so much. It's like being drunk with power, Chris. You know. Oh, I it's know. Really, I, I know really all weird. about it. Like you have all this capability, and it's like it's not. You don't even need. You don't even need. I don't. I don't even use like a fraction of it. And it. Oh, I know. I, I make myself sick with with it all the time, and and it and it's like doesn't that oh, sound so egotistical? But hell like, yeah, I swear to God, I feel it's, it. Man. I was about to say, oh oh, woe is us. But the thing is, it's a fucking fact, and it's also a fact for a huge number of of people, not even just overtly crybaby ass people, but people in in general that, and I will say that there's a lack of innocence with willful ignorance. Mm. If it's willful, then there's, you're complicit. You are fucking, you are 100% complicit if you're willfully ignorant when it comes to, you know, social inequities. Um, and, and that's across the board. That goes from the micro level all the way up to the macro level. When you're talking about treating people unfairly on the one-to-one, you know, willful ignorance when it comes to that, you're fucking complicit. You are goddamn complicit with it. Now, genuine, genuine ignorance, 
that there's an innocent person behind hate a lot of times mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. innocent troubled fucked up individual and and again i'm not here to um rationalize or defend i'm here to make a fundamental acknowledgement a baseline that we have to work from if we're going to understand human nature yeah agreed totally agree well dude i thought that this was good i thought it was really good there's no need to you know we don't need to take it any further i think that this can give people something to really think about and that's sort of my challenge for those of you that are listening think about that time where you did lose your innocence and what was that experience like um, it doesn't have to be something dealing with the first time you got drunk or whatever. It's just like you, if you've been listening in this episode, we named multiple areas where I think that we all sort of lose our innocence. Um, it's something that I'm certainly going to be using as a part of my therapy as I go through and, and do, you know, map out the, the, the chart of, of my life. And I hope that it does lead to some more, uh, growth and discovery. And y'all doing this shit is not, you know, it's, it's serious business going through and mapping this out and going to different sessions. I'm paying literally after insurance, like $80 a pop to go and do this stuff. It's, it's that serious to me. And Chris, you already know that when I get fixated on fixing something like, uh, you know, I'll do whatever it takes, you know? And so this is a, a step in my development that I'm definitely uh, excited about and very serious about. And so I'm glad that we could talk about it. And I'm, I'm hoping that you all can provide some feedback about innocence that had been lost for you. And uh, maybe we can continue this discussion uh, in another episode, hopefully with anyone who is uh, interested. So I want to thank you all for your time and attention. Chris, can you give us some uh, shameless shout outs, man? Well, always a shameless shout out to Tyler Young at Great Ape Performance. Um, you know, he's really up in the ante again this year. He's, he's got, uh, I'm pretty sure he's got a, a full roster as far yeah, as uh, being the training. beginning of the year. It's got to, yeah, I think he does. Um, but check with him again. That's great. Eight performance. And it, you know, it, it really just comes down to, um, physical betterment. I mean, across the board, it's not a specific thing. Um, if you have something that you want to improve at that pertains to generally physical matters, dude, he will tailor make whatever it is you need or desire. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Also, we have Clint Bushong on the team. He's getting ready to um, offer his uh, first level rifle preparedness course. Um, I'm not certain the date again, hit up, uh, grade eight performance. If you're interested in that, uh, fantastic teacher, fantastic individual. Uh, one of my favorite dudes on the planet. Also, I'm going to be doing some, uh, uh, woodland preparedness classes, basically just taking out groups of up to four individuals at a time we'll do nature walks in various areas identify edible plants mushrooms you know particularly dangerous shit and you know just kind of acquaint ourselves with what it's like to wander around in the fucking woods because i think it's a natural part of being a human being um additionally i gotta give a shameless shout out to our business uh raw power moving service 
uh, Tyler and I have going. If you need something that you don't think can be moved by human beings, give us a shout and some human beings will show up and move that shit for you. And we'll probably do it actually about 99% sure we're going to do it for cheaper than anybody else in town. Um, do it faster and we're mildly entertaining. It's a couple of Oompa Loompas with muscles and big old booties to show up and move like your uh, fucking <laughs> 700 pound piano for you. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Hefty Lefty Clubworks. I was uh, playing golf with him and uh, my buddy the other day and uh, just first of all it's awesome to just hang out with JP in the first place but being able to literally have him examine me and just help me with my with my game I thought that was really fun it's it's a it was a good moment we had beautiful weather so it was nice to be able to go out there and just hit some balls you know he is also a, uh, a golfsmith or a clubsmith you know so he can make custom clubs and work on your stuff for you so it was really awesome guy and he's just he's just fucking friendly um Has he he ever taken, has he ever seized the opportunity to whisper in your ear softly? I asked him about it. You you trying to get JP done? (laughs) No, we we actually do it like, do you remember that movie Ghost? Where, uh, well, of course I do. You know, like, with Whoopi motherfucking Goldberg. Sir, you know, I'm like, uh, is her name Demi Moore? I'm just sitting there and he's got his arms around me. And uh, you, know, you do just, favor Demi Moore. I've always thought I really that. do. Yeah, I've got, I've got, you know, I've got her hips and stuff. And so, <laughs> just the way that he put his arms around me, it was God. It, it felt so good, dude. It you got, so the, you got JP on. Yeah, I got JP on, dude. <laughs> so that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, uh, I hope everyone had a good, solid New Year. I eventually do want to make up some twenty twenty one. Uh, content is in terms of like hey it's a new or not so much 2021 content because that's what this is but just some kind of a new year's type of thing um i got a lot of thoughts on on 20 and i think it might not be what people think so um be on the lookout for some content there and guys again thank you for your time and attention do some great shit take care of yourselves and each other wear a mask don't be a chode at work i know a lot of you guys are have been off and you're going back in Come in there with some new energy. Don't be a shit dick. Get some shit done. And we are out. Peace.